It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We are live with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, the 49ers are the number one seed in the NFC, but that doesn't compare anywhere to your hair. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, my friend. I am good. I, I just got back in uh, last night, got some Zs, but it, it feels great. You know, the 49ers have won their last five against the Seahawks. I think it makes uh, DK Metcalf really upset, and that makes me happy. Uh, so we like that. The 49ers punched their ticket to the playoffs. They currently sit at the one seed. Thank you, Cowboys, for that. We're still not friends, but thank you. And uh, I don't know. like it, The vibes are immaculate right now. The vibes are really immaculate. And and I don't know. Street's been saying like this team is giving them that 94 vibe. Well, and to to be clear, we weren't rooting for the Cowboys. We we're rooting for the Eagles' loss. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Dallas just happened. To, Dallas just happened to be the team that was on the other side. So we're not rooting for the Cowboys. We weren't rooting for the Dallas Cowboys to win. We rooted for an Eagles' loss. So that's how we want to. Nice clarification. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, one hundred percent. I just want to make sure we get it clear. Um. Yes, the San Francisco 49ers are the number one seed. The San Francisco 49ers do belong in the playoffs right now right like it's it's thank you new york giants thank you tommy mm-hmm. devito kind of wanted to talk about something that kind of came across my phone our producer rob uh stats guerrera disagrees with my take about last night and again as an mvp voter i've got my opinion when it comes to who's the mvp but i feel like tyreek hill somehow being injured 
yesterday clinched his MVP um, case. And this is this is how I'm going to rationalize it real quick before we get into the game. <clears throat> Brock Purdy could lose one of Debo. He could lose CMC. He could lose Kittle. He could lose Ayuk, Trent Williams. He won't look as bad as Tua Tunga-Vailoa did yesterday. And the Miami Dolphins were absolutely scrambling, right? So whether you want to say, hey, the San Francisco 49ers lost games when Debo Samuel was out, when Christian McCaffrey was out, okay, cool. They lost games. There was never a time that Brock Purdy has ever looked as frazzled as Tua Tunga-Vailoa yesterday. So go. But at the same time, it's like, could that just be because Brock Purdy is simply, uh, excuse me, a better quarterback than Tua is right now? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's kind of my point. I get get what you're saying, though. It's kind of my point. Is is Tyreek Hill is is such a difference maker that he can literally fool you into believing his quarterback is somebody he's not. Tyreek Hill is that much of a difference maker to the Miami Dolphins offense that they don't know how to function and you lose to Will Levis and the Tennessee Titans. That's my point, right? As of today, December 12th, Tyreek Hill's the MVP. That can change. We've got weeks. We've got many weeks, but Tyreek Hill's the MVP because look at how that offense operates when he's not there. And I think that is it. So either way, just wanted to stand on business. Because standing on business, is, it sounds like, is the, the new theme, right? Like we were talking about it. It is. Uh, it, it's, it's, the new, it's the new theme. And you know who's standing on business? Not only the San Francisco 49ers, but Debo Samuel. Mm. Uh, Steph, you mentioned it. Five straight wins against the Seattle Seahawks. The first time in Pete Carroll's career that he, as a Seahawks coach, that he's lost four straight games. As a 49ers fan who's kind of sat there and said, hey, damn, they're just better. They're just better. If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, and I know you're not watching right now. If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, we're just better. How does that feel, Steph? I mean, it feels good. I I think, like, we knew this would happen eventually. Like, no team is ever going to be as dominant as they were like, you know, there's eras that, that happened. Seattle had their era, you know, they they ran with it and had a lot of success with it. But, you know, as as all good things, you know, they come to an end. So I think the 49ers and, and 49er fans are, are happy about that because now we're seeing the 49ers have their era and it's a pretty freaking good era right now. Might last longer than the Seahawks one. I don't, I don't know. Oh, baby. It'd be nice, right? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, but it's just it's feeling that way. I'm I'm feeling very optimistic anytime we play any of these NFC West teams. And that's just because like the talent gap is so large between the 49ers and all these other teams in their division. So it feels incredible. Incredible. To Steph's point, the shoes on the other foot, right? There is no Legion of Boom, nothing like that, you know. Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks fans, we get our retribution with the, the, the Thanksgiving win, right? And now you are living in a dominance that you're going to have to deal with for a while. And I've been, I've been really effusive with my praise 
of the Seattle Seahawks in terms of you smash your draft. I don't like it. I don't like you hanging around. Well, hang around all you want. You're not hanging with the 49ers. And this is a beautiful time for us right now. I, I love this for us, right? Because there was so long where the 49ers lost games by blowouts to the Seattle Seahawks or they lost by, like, gut-wrenching moments the last few seconds. There's none of that right now. They're just better. And it's such a good feeling. It really is. Because the only way that this would feel better, the only way that this would feel a little bit better is if Russell Wilson was still their quarterback. Because then we'd be able to say, like, you know, hold that. But he, you know, he left. He wanted to go somewhere else. You know, um, duck the smoke, um, as the kids would say. He ducked the smoke and he left. Because Russell Wilson, Steve Largent, Whoever it is, I don't care what Seattle Seahawks, Brian Bosworth from back in the day, it don't matter. You're not better. You're not better. And it doesn't matter if you were here. You could bring them all back. Bring back prime Russell Wilson. Bring back Steve Largent from back in the day. Bring them all back. You're not better. And if it sounds like I'm being obnoxious and not humble, then you tuned into the right show because usually that's what I am. But the Seattle Seahawks are not better. And they will not be for a long time. And I and and I love that for us. I really do. But when you know when you watch what? Go no, go ahead, finish. Finish. No, 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 no. When you when you watch this this game, when you watch it back on tape, when you watch these last five contests, the Seattle Seahawks are nowhere near. It's it there's a gap, right? There's a gap. There's the San Francisco 49ers and there's the Seattle Seahawks, and they're down here. And I think I think that's great. And I am not going to stop making fun of that. I'm not. I love it. You got I, I love that. I love that. And um, no, what I was gonna say is like last year, to me, I think it felt a little bit sweeter beating the Seahawks because I think the 49ers and and like we needed to see it like prove to us that they were the better team. You know, they showed that in three mm-hmm. games. And now this season, like, I don't even think it was a debate. Like, I think the 49ers have bigger fish to fry. Like, this felt good. But at the same time, like, it wasn't nothing. It was just business as usual, you know? Like, and I honestly think this wasn't even that good of a game for the 49ers. Like, for how good this team is. And that's crazy to say because they won by 12 points. So I probably sound like a spoiled brat saying that. But, you know, they started slow. Offense had to adjust to what the Seahawks were doing on defense. Of course, like they were going to have adjustments coming out of week 12. They made it a point to um, better defend the middle of the field and all that pretty early in the game, try to squeeze some through traffic. Didn't work out early. Um, He made adjustments later. We'll talk more about that. Uh, But then on defense, you know, they didn't prepare for Drew Locke. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It wasn't until Friday that we heard that Geno Smith could be a game-time decision, right? So you go all week thinking you're going to face Geno. That doesn't happen. So, of course, on defense, there's going to be some adjustments as well. You're not going to play this game without Eric – or you're going to play this game without Eric Armstead. And then on the first defensive drive, you lose Mooney Ward – who was huge in week 12, who has been huge for this team, this defense the last few weeks. So of course, like there's some adjustments there. Uh, So at the end of it though, like I think I came away impressed because this was like a different way for the 49ers to win. And 
I think what we saw in this game, it was a game of explosives on offense. It was the 49ers winning and, and getting down the field with explosive plays. Like if you look at it, that's really how like they, they got their, their best touchdowns came from those big plays. And then on the other side, it was limiting explosives and not just limiting them, but turning them into interceptions, right? Making big plays that way. So it's just a different, I think these last few weeks, 49ers have, have shown us that they can start to win uh, a multitude of different ways. And there's not much you could do to stop it. Steph, you and I are friends. And and as good as a friend as you are, you're a better analyst. And I think you're reading my mind right now um, in terms of how this game went. Look, it seems like people want to check boxes with the San Francisco 49ers and they want to say, can you do this? Can you do that? Okay, so I've got I've got a newsflash real quick. The 49ers are not going to be down 21 nothing in any any game that they play. Okay, so get that out of your mind. Get it out of your mind that you need Brock Purdy to come back from 21 nothing down. Oh, he needs to throw them back in games. They're too good to fall behind that far. So get rid of it. And if we want to spin a narrative, and I love spinning narratives, Brock Purdy has come has two comeback wins in the last two weeks, right? Six nothing against the Philadelphia Eagles, 10-7 against mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks. See how I can make things up? See how I can see how I can spin narratives if I want to? Those are comeback victories, right? Everybody needs seems to say that they need to see the 49ers do something, right? And I walked away impressed in this game because this game was ugly. There was injuries at the beginning. It didn't look good. And you need to see the San Francisco 49ers kind of get wins out of the mud, um, as the kids say. We're using all the kids' phrases today. We're going to use mid. We're going to use out the mud. We're going to use lit, like a bunch of them, right? Like a bunch of these phrases. But for me, if you're looking at this team, you want to see a game like this, right? Where it starts mm-hmm. off a little bit weird, right? A little bit funky. You're losing for a little bit. You do want to see those types of things. Right now, the San Francisco 49ers have shown you, like you said, let's win. Let's win however you want to win, right? And and I want to be clear. We're not done cooking the Philadelphia Eagles, but I did give them props for finding ways to win games because I do think that that is important. It's It's important, and it's going to be the way that you – are feared, especially in the playoffs. Playoffs are going to be a time when you are in a game that is ugly, is going to be moving this way, that way, whatever, and you got to find a way to win. So props to the San Francisco 49ers for finding a way to win, right? Like in a game where you lose Javon Hargrave for some time, you lose Mooney Ward for a little bit, and we're going to talk about Steve Wilkes also, by the way, because I'm going to stand on business. What happened? Y'all want him fired? You want him You want him going somewhere else? You want to move on? A new defensive coordinator? What happened? Okay. We're going to talk about overreactions because nobody loves to overreact like 49ers fans. But it's time for the 49ers now, and and it's time for people to understand however you want to win games, however you want to win, dirty, clean, whatever, blowout, no blowout, nothing, whatever. The 49ers are going to find a way to win a game. And I think that's important. It is important. But, yes, let's talk about Steve Wilkes just a little bit. I literally am so impressed this week particularly with Steve Wilkes because imagine you have a you have a, a whole week to prepare for the Seattle Seahawks and regardless of us making fun of DK Metcalf because we're going to 
DK Metcalf's a really good receiver. Tyler Lock is a good receiver. Jackson Smith and Jeeba is is a good receiver. They're all three of those guys are good. But imagine, imagine having a whole week to prepare. You know Mooney Ward's gonna go ahead and follow DK Metcalf wherever he goes, and you feel good about that matchup. And then Mooney Ward leaves, not in the first quarter, not in the first half, the first five snaps, he leaves. Mm-hmm. And then you're Steve Wilkes, and you have to change your entire approach. <laughs> My goodness, Steph. It's not about him leaving the booth. Relax, 49ers fans. You tried to fire Robert Sala. You tried to fire D'Amico Ryans. You tried to fire Steve Wilkes. Maybe, perhaps, I fear, let's slow down a little bit with the overreactions. Steve Wilkes has been hooping. What do you think, Steph? What What do you mean, Jay? I thought it was because uh, fans wanted them fired. That's why they started playing good, right? Because they you got to hold them accountable. Seat, you got to yeah. They hold felt them the seat was hot, right? Obviously, because you know, they see what fans say on Twitter. Um, but no, I mean Steve Wilkes. Ever since he said, "I'm sort of built like that," <laughs> like dude has been on a on a different level, and and I respect that from him saying that and then showing us. Ever since he said that, like, we have seen it with our own two eyes. And I think this game was a great example of everything that he's kind of put together these last few weeks. And not having Eric, not having Mooney Ward for basically this entire game. You have Isaiah Oliver out there. You have Jair Brown. Like, you got to think about a lot of the injuries that the 49ers have had on defense and yet still being able to stop an offense against a quarterback you didn't even prepare for it's drew Locke. i get that but we've seen some teams struggle like against quarterbacks that they haven't prepared for just because like that that's a huge part of playing defense preparing for your opponent right so when that doesn't happen it could be difficult but i saw the adjustments in game i saw players step up javon kinlaw gotta give him his props nick bosa has been like everywhere lately his run defense has been I think what do you mean, Steph? He got paid and disappeared. Nick Bosa got paid and disappeared, Steph. Well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna gonna all the overreactions. I'm saying, Jay, like all all of the things that people said this week or this year about any of the players has completely gone out the window now. Like, isn't that crazy? It's because we, I guess we, you know, we kind of speak it into existence, like you know, reverse psychology. Right. Um. So, because people were talking crazy about Kinlaw too. Uh, yep. in the off season, and you know he's found a nice role for himself on this defense. And man, I I just I gotta give props to a lot of the guys that that stepped up and they they did did their job. Like that's that's what you ask for in a defense, and they gave the offense opportunity too. When Brandon Ayuk uh, fumbled that football, Steve Wilkes saying, "Like don't worry, we're gonna get it back." Like we're gonna get it back to yeah, you guys. No, but, and, and he's he like, don't worry. He's like, don't worry. Yeah, uh-huh. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. So. and you know, what's crazy. You're in the stadium, and you noticed that. Is that is that you noticed again on no, the broadcast? No, I watched the game over. I actually didn't oh. notice um, watching it, but I watched the game over, and I saw someone else uh, tweet about it. So I was like, oh, well, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. He I absolutely, mean, he absolutely told Brandon Ayuk, don't worry about it. Like, let's go, let's go. And you're the defensive coordinator. You have nothing to do with offense. Yes, hundred percent. It just feels like, you know, earlier in the season or during the loose streak, we're talking about 
the team feeling like disconnected, not just like the defensive line to the secondary, but even just the offense from the defense even felt disconnected. Like it wasn't complimentary football in, in those losses. And now I'm just seeing like more unity from the team in general. And I don't really know if it's, you know, just having to play uh, these really important games in November, December, that kind of, has got them gelling and, and building that chemistry. But I don't know. It's kind of cool to see. Like, you you see it play out on the field and, and how these guys are playing for each other. Um, and it's cool. I, I think uh, that's part of what's helping them win these games and, and helping them look like they are this dominant team because they're playing together as, as a whole unit. So glad you brought up Jair Brown because mm. I want to oh, talk about oh. take. I want to, Why I want to call him Hufunga on the broadcast, though. Did you catch I mean, that? <laughs> listen, um, we do PFF grades, and I've got a lot of issues with the PFF grades on offensive line um, because Trent Williams has a clean sheet, literally gave up nothing, and he ends up with a 60.9, you know, grade. I, I just – I'll never understand it. But we need to do a PFF grade on Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, who I think are, are, are great. You know, like, I think they're great, but my goodness, man, they made a lot of mistakes. But I want to talk about Jair Brown. Because, and Rob, cut the clip and make sure you 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 double it with this because it, this is I'm going to reiterate what I said. I'm not downplaying Talano Hufunga's loss, but Jair Brown's skill set is so similar to Talano Hufunga that you were going to get this type of performance, and you were going to lose just a little bit based on rookie, someone who's played, and someone who hasn't. Right, you were going to lose a little bit in terms of the defense, but. Skill sets are so eerily similar that you weren't going to get a drop-off. Take is the same player, essentially. Fast, downhill, ball hawk. The ball finds its way into his hands. He's got two interceptions in four games. He didn't miss any tackles, so we can dispel the narrative about Jair Brown missing tackles. I'm tired of it. I don't know who made it up. Struggling. Struggling. <laughs> Struggling. <laughs> Struggling, right? Uh, Huff does not tackle way better, Rob Gotti. Um, and I want to explain it this way. The same concerns that you had about Hufunga were the same concerns you have about Jair Brown in terms of, hey, just needs to refine this, refine that. He's missed three tackles in almost 200 snaps. On what earth, especially these are your first 200 snaps, on what earth is that a bad tackle? What earth? Jair Brown is a baller. And I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear it anymore about like, oh, we're nervous. I heard a narrative. Logan Ryan was brought in because you were concerned about Tig and his tackling. Give me a break, please. And I'm being nice. I'm trying to chill. I just had my coffee. It's starting to hit now. Please give me a break. Give me a break. There's no way that you brought in Logan Ryan, who's 30-something years old, because you were so worried about Jair Brown's tackling. and. If you were feeling like that, then Salano Hufunga would have been replaced when it was. But their skill sets are so similar. And I am not trying to downplay Hufunga, who was an all-pro at all. Trust me, I'm not. But it goes back to the fact that Steve Wilkes is putting these guys in good position and that they have the same exact skill set, and you can literally run your defense the same exact way and allow Tig to play well, man. He's just – he's hooping. Jair Brown is hooping. 
and I'm very happy. And I think this is a glimpse into the future because you're going to get Jair Brown and Tyler Nohufunga, and they want both those guys yeah. to be mm-hmm. ball hawks, play fast, get the ball, like, and, and find it and just play downhill, play fast. Shout out to Jair Brown, man, 100%. I mean, it's it's incredible to see that they, they were able to have a third-round pick that actually plays football <laughs> and plays well. But that's also Ambry Thomas. So I want to ask you, Steph mm-hmm. Sanchez, I feel like Diamondola Lenore stepped up greatly. And I love that we're just talking about the defense. We haven't even gotten to the offense yet. Diamondola Lenore steps up right when Mooney Ward goes down. He played like a dog. Yeah, There's something that needs to be said about Ambry Thomas, Steph. I mean, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say anymore at this point because it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a lifetime movie, right? Um, let me be the narrator, narrator real quick. What if I told you a player could, you know, be buried on the depth chart? And then and and look at Ambry Thomas and look at him right now, right? Like and look at how he's playing, Steph. Right? Ambry is hooping right now as well, too, right? Isn't that a good thing? Oh, I mean, it's a great thing. But at this point, like I've kind of come to expect it, haven't you? Like I've, I, I'm not surprised anymore. And I, I think that's just because these last few weeks, since the bye week, pretty much. He's been putting on uh, a pretty great performance for this team. And, I mean, that's exactly what they need out of these reserve guys who need to step up. I mean, I didn't see Isaiah Oliver do anything egregious either um, in this game as as opposed to some others that he's had. But, he, you know, uh, the guys on the outside, I think, made the job easier for everyone else too. And that's tough to do when – you lose a guy like Mooney Ward, right? And and you got to step up and suddenly uh, Lenore's having to cover, uh, you know, DK Metcalf and Ambry Thomas, you know, probably on, I don't think it was shadowing, but, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett was, is also a great receiver. Smith and Jigba, also a great receiver, right? So you got to look out for all that. And there were times where Drew Locke just couldn't find anyone open. Right. And and he had to like scramble out of the pocket. He he took some sacks, too. So that's all due to the coverage. And the secondary as a whole is just playing some really good football right now. Like they're all locked in. And I do want to take a second to to talk about Jair Brown and, you know, because people are talking about, oh, like, you know, he's still taking some bad angles and all that. I mean, like he's a rookie, like. You, you do expect that a rookie's going to come in in the middle of the season because there's an injury. Like, he's going to have – there's a learning curve there. There's going to be some 100%. some mistakes. But 100%. I don't think – I think we all expected some mistakes, but I think there's, we can all admit that it's way less than we probably thought at the beginning. And like, they're not I big mistakes. still be learning and a lot. Not, right, no, and they're, they're not, not big. big mistakes. They're no. not big mistakes. It's not, like, it's not like there's blown coverages or you're just watching Jair mm-hmm. Brown, like, you know, have the ball go over his head 100%. You know, like that That feels like a – that feels like a minor, a minor yeah. thing, right? Keep going. And you and you can – those are things you, you learn, like, pretty quickly, I feel like, you, you know, over time. Because uh, the angle thing, I mean – even Huff struggled with that, and sometimes he still struggles. <laughs> so isn't it? So isn't it funny, Steph? Isn't it funny? Not only are their skill sets alike, the things that they struggled with were alike. But in terms yeah. of well, we've got to give this guy time. Come on, give him the same exact time, the same exact way that you were excited about what you saw with Hufanga. 
you need to you need to keep that same energy when it comes to Tig. And and Tig has Tig seems like he's someone who has been here before. It's never he's he never plays like a grown man. Like he plays yeah, like he's a, a veteran. I don't know how to explain right, like, it, but he looks like a veteran out there. He's not overwhelmed. There's never a time yeah. where Jair Brown is overwhelmed. And I think that is what you should be looking at, right? Like you want to complain and you want to nitpick about angles, all that stuff. Jair Brown and his defense in the secondary, they haven't lost a step, unfortunately. And that's not me downplaying Hufanga. I think that's me bigging up Jair Brown and Tig. Like, he is a guy that you can continue to run your defense the same way you want to. That's it. That's it. It's it's one play. It's here. It's there. It is one or two plays. Other than that, it's about 140 snaps, three missed tackles. He's got two interceptions. And in the same way that you – praise Hufanga for getting the ball and it bounces into his hands that's literally what Tig is because he's around the ball that's it yeah and and the Logan Ryan signing didn't have anything to do with Tig at all I mean the, no. the defense is the team is happy with how Tig is playing how could they not be and they need depth that's what they needed. They needed depth. I mean, George Odom also went down with an injury, right? That's so it. they they need depth, and then that's part of the reason why they signed Jason Barrett as well. Um, they signed him to the practice squad uh, after Sunday's game. He was actually there at the game, which is you know kind of cool. But in I think the, I like booth, that right? move too because that's gonna be that's gonna be depth for them too, and you need that going into the playoffs. And it's important to have that veteran savvy type of depth. Uh, because, it, you know, should anything happen, you want guys who have done it before, who, you know, know the assignments, are familiar with the defense. And so they, they have that now. I feel really good about the secondary going into this stretch here. Yeah. And by the way, um, fits my narrative, hashtag, um, and we're going to talk about the offense now. Um, Jerry Brown, the highest graded San Francisco 49er uh, on defense. Nobody, nobody cares about that, right? The defense is it's 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 boring to talk about that stuff. It's time to talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Brock Purdy's the best player that's ever played the game of football, and uh, it, no one's ever been better. No, I'm just joking. But listen, Steph, I think you, you mentioned it earlier, and I want to talk about it because I do feel it. Not only did the 49ers win a game that was ugly, but you kind of want to see adversity from Brock Purdy in terms of, okay, the one place that he's really been good at, which is intermediate throws, he was a little bit off early on in this game. And rewatching it, I'm just like, damn, those are throws that you normally hit. Like, you normally hit those, like, easily, right? And those are the ones you're missing. I think I was more impressed with Brock Purdy because he was missing those throws. He was a little bit off. 
but he fought through it. You want to see adversity, right? Like, I think I had a conversation with someone about, um, and he's a fan of a certain team that uh, helped the 49ers make the playoffs last night, uh, which is Tommy Cutlets, um, you know. But he was he's looking at quarterbacks, right, because their team is probably going to be drafting really high. And he says, I watched this person's highlights. Well, if I put together highlights of J.R. Ryder, you would think he was Michael Jordan based on dunks, right? Highlights don't tell me anything about a player. I want to see how you adjust to when you make mistakes. That's what I kind of want to see from Brock Purdy. Everything is not going to be roses and going to be touchdowns and long bombs, right? But early on in this game, Brock was struggling with things that he normally does very well. And Steph, he throws a career high for how many yards? I think that that is far more impressive than any performance so far this season because things are not going to always go well. Things are not going to fall in your lap, and you're not always going to just be great. You know, this is the NFL, and you suspect that in the playoffs against better opponents, it's going to change. But for me, I was much more impressed by this game with Brock Purdy because of the way it started and because of how he finished. I think I think uh, Brock was was awesome in this game. He was awesome. Yeah, he was incredible. I mean, I I think we've seen that the last two games where the offense kind of starts slow, and you know we're obviously we're talking outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey's big run to to start the game, the 70, 72 yarder. Uh, the offense did struggle like uh, uh, yes. early on, just dis- despite mm-hmm. that uh, first touchdown, and a lot of it was because. You know, like I said early on, uh, the defense of the Seahawks kind of adjusting to what the 49ers were trying to do just two weeks ago, right? Like the 49ers try to do some of that uh, the same, and then also Brock Purdy just trying to squeeze it into tight windows. Uh, those didn't really work out. And, you know, I I think what we saw, though, we saw another another new wrinkle from Brock Purdy's game, and I think that's just him going downfield, which – we had seen, but he was putting it over corners or over the outside corners and not just, I don't know. The throws were like on the money, Jay. Like I'm, it's like, we're not used, we're not used to seeing that. You know, I'm used to, we're used to like pulling up the all 22 and saying this guy's streaking by himself wide open. And now those throws are being hit. I don't know how to act. I don't know what to do with my hands. Which, by the way, um, I hate this because this is the new narrative now from, like, Brock Purdy haters, right? This is the new goalpost now that, oh, everyone's wide open. Which, like, now this is a revisited narrative because Guys have always Brock been Purdy lost the, the yak merchant, the uh, uh, check down merchant, merchant check narrative merchant. Uh, is gone after, you know, uh, after Sunday's game and so now they had to move the goalposts again back to their earlier argument which is well yeah. everyone's wide open uh, everyone's been wide open and no other quarterback no, has no. been able to hit them in the same way can I tell you something I don't even think that's wide open like what do you think is wide open I think wide open is like five at least five yards of separation yeah. Right. and I don't think Debo on his touchdown catch was five yards away from was it Adams it was Adams right on that one oh, and oh, oh, uh, Jamal Adams yikes yeah yeah yikes yikes Jamal, yikes Adams um yikes <laughs> but I yeah I don't I don't think there was 
five plus yards of separation there. But you know what I did see? I saw a quarterback throwing him open. Yes. He was open already. Oh man. But he's spitting. Keep going. <laughs> he was open already, but you have a quarterback who puts it right on the money, doesn't give the defender a chance to get the football. That right there is talent. That you yes. know, like you gotta take that into account too. He's wide open, okay, because Brock Purdy threw him open. It it went where it needed to go. And we saw multiple throws like that, um, one to uh, George Kittle as well. And so I I hated when the broadcast was like, Debo Samuel, wide open. Wide open. Yeah. All right. We're not slandering slandering Burka. I love love his – he has such a good announcer voice. Like, he definitely like, yeah, Debo Samuel, wide open. It's just the the, uh, over – what is the word? It's dramatizing it. Yeah. 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 You know, but I can hear I can hear Kevin Burkhart with the 2019 game. George Kittle at the 40, down, like down, and there's a penalty marker. Like he has such a good voice. Uh, like we're not gonna slander that. Yeah, but, no, no, no. Yeah, great. But you're right about you're right about the whole idea about being wide open. I I think that like there is like a perception that like guys are like 10 yards away from people. That's not wide open in the NFL. It's just not. No, and. And as a quarterback, you still got to throw it in the right spot. And we're seeing Brock Purdy do that. That's why it looks easy. That's why it looks like the throw is like, oh, well, you know, that's easy. No, it's not. You see so many quarterbacks struggle on that. We've seen it for how, you know, many years. uh, And, you know, Brock Purdy is already making that look easy. I think that's impressive. It feels like every single week. He's adding something new to his game that, like, we hadn't seen before. And it's like, wow, like, you're doing that too? Oh, my God. Uh, so it's, it's just really impressive. I'm really happy that Brock Purdy is the quarterback of this team and that he continues to improve. And it's crazy because he's doing all these improvements and adding these new wrinkles in season. Remember, he didn't have an offseason to improve on any of these things. Mm-hmm. Imagine what he's going to look like next year. That's why I'm like, 100%. man, I don't even care if Brock Purdy isn't the MVP this year. Right. Fine. I, Fine. Okay. Right. It's only his second right. season and the kid right. is getting better. He's going to have another mm-hmm. shot at it. Like, yeah. 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 Look, um, and shout out to Wolf Life Wild, um, for the donation. Let's get them super chats going. Niner gang, LFG, uh, you know, is a, is a kid show or a family show. So I don't want to like, you know, put that out there, but shout out to Oliver for holding it down. Same for Kinlaw, Jair Brown, et cetera. Like, and subscribe 100%. Uh, Steph, I want to dispel a narrative real quick about Brock Purdy. Another Brock Purdy's weapons are so good, he's not that good. Okay. Kurt Warner had Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk. Peyton Manning had Edron James, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison. Uh, I, I can go on and on. Joe Montana had Roger Craig, Jerry Rice. Steve Young had Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters. It is hilarious to me about the weapons argument, right? We literally just watched a quarterback yesterday who couldn't even perform because one of his weapons went away, right? Tua Tunga Vailoa. I don't know how to perform now. Funny. Funny, right? Right, Steph? Funny. He needs needs weapons. He needs weapons. Wait a minute. Let's take it a step further. Patrick Mahomes is struggling because he doesn't have a number one wide receiver. Oh, my good. Oh, my goodness. The great Patrick Mahomes needs help. He needs help. Oh, but when it's Brock, it's against him. Everyone needs 
playmakers. Everyone. Every single quarterback who has ever played the game of football needs help. I'm tired of it. I want to knock this one completely out of the park. I don't want to hear it anymore. Patrick Mahomes, he's struggling and having the worst season of his career, which, by the way, his worst season is probably better than many people's best seasons. Yes. That's what's funny about Patrick Mahomes. But, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes needs help. He needs a wide receiver. He doesn't have any number one wide receiver. When Josh Allen struggles, oh, they need to run the football. We need a running back. Why is it that every single person you can make an excuse for and say, well, they need help. But when Brock Purdy has it, it's a way for you to knock down Brock Purdy. I'm tired of it. I'm really tired of it. I really am. Justin Herbert, when he struggles, oh, it's his offensive coordinator. It's his coach. Oh, it's this and it's that. Come on. Are you serious? Every single person needs including the great Patrick Mahomes. I just, I, I, I want to knock that one out of the park. I'm tired of it. I don't care. I don't care anymore, man. Joe Montana is literally surrounded by some of the greatest playmakers of all time. Roger Craig is the prototypical running back, right? Literally, Roger Craig ran so Christian McCaffrey can run faster. He didn't walk, <laughs> right? Like, literally, that's what, like, I don't understand the argument. I really don't. It's the dumbest argument. It, it sounds stupid. You sound dumb when you bring up playmakers because you are literally going to go out of your way and say, Patrick Mahomes is struggling because he needs playmakers. Okay, I thought he was so great. So he don't need nobody. He can throw the football to himself, right? No. Come on. Stop it. Brandon says, as 49ers fans, are we just looking at Brock Purdy with rose-colored glasses? If you're a Cowboys fan, you're going to say that Prescott's the MVP. Brandon. I will say that Dak Prescott is doing what Dak Prescott does every single year, and the Dallas Cowboys are doing what they do every single year. They are beating teams that they're supposed to beat, and ha, 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 that means you, Philadelphia Eagles, because you're not that good. They're literally beating teams that they're supposed to beat, and they do that every single year. Every single year, set your watch to it, the Dallas Cowboys beat teams that they're supposed to beat, and then everyone goes crazy, and the national media runs with, are the Dallas Cowboys this, are they that? Can I ask you a question real quick, Steph? Who was the last team to beat the, the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T AT &T Stadium? Oh, they're still undefeated. Oh, well, they're still undefeated this season. Which who's the last team? The last who's the last team? Was the 49ers. It certainly was. I'm so glad that you brought that up. The San Francisco 49ers are the last team to beat the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T AT &T Stadium. And that was with Jimmy Garoppolo and a bum thumb and shoulder, whatever it was. The Dallas Cowboys are doing exactly what they normally do. They beat up on the they beat up on this team, they beat up on that team, and they're not in that same class as them. And then everyone starts to look at them and say, Oh my God, the Dallas Cowboys. They're not like that. No one's scared of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I included the Philadelphia Eagles in that because I think the Philadelphia Eagles are in fact not like that. We're using more kid slang. They're not like that. They're not though, you're not that guy, pal. You are not that guy, pal. Okay. But for me, if you're the Dallas Cowboys right now, or if you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, of course you probably think that Dak Prescott is the MVP. But you also probably thought that Charlie Aikman is one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time when he was just a guy who was – we're talking about getting carried? Charlie Aikman was like a game manager his whole career, right? You know, it kind of helps, right? So I don't care what a Dallas Cowboy fan thinks. You could think that Dak's the MVP. He's not. I have a vote. I will go to my cold grave before I vote for Dak Prescott 
as the MVP. I will literally vote for anyone other than Dak Prescott. And not because I think he's a bad player or that he doesn't deserve it. He's just not. He's not the MVP. He's just not the MVP. He is not. You, There's no way you can have them against. So they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. They beat the New England Patriots. And like, I don't care. You're beating on teams that aren't like that. Beat us. Beat someone who's real. And until they do that, I will continue to be a non-believer. I'm sorry. Um, Low Heater, thanks for the content. Go Niners. No thank you about Dak Prescott. But regardless, this is not a slandering Eagles podcast, even though. <laughs> you sure? Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. <laughs> you sure? Ooh, baby. Uh, y'all are not good right now. You have a lot of problems. But on offense, let's talk about it. Debo Samuel. I do a podcast uh, outside of this with Andrew Pasquini. Andrew Pasquini, I'm going to steal his his quote. This is not 2021, Debo Samuel. This is 2023, Debo Samuel. His last three games, six total touchdowns. Uh, you know, 344 receiving yards. Just what is it about Debo Samuel that makes this offense go? Christian McCaffrey is undoubtedly a chess piece that makes people, you know, lose sleep and they move around. But my goodness, Steph, this team goes as Debo Samuel does. There's nobody. He is the heartbeat of this team. The heartbeat of this team. They go as he does. I don't want to hear it with no more discussion about it. This team goes as Debo Samuel goes. I, I, I'm just done with it, Steph. It's, it's him. He's the heartbeat. Yeah, for for everyone who is always somehow pitting, you know, Debo and Ayuk against each other because of the conversation of, oh, they can't afford both of them. For one, yes, they can. And for two, they absolutely should pay both of them, uh, it, you know, if that opportunity presents itself, because both of these guys bring something unique to the team right and we see Debo Samuel and his impact on this team I mean we saw it during the losing streak that the 49ers had of the three games Debo Samuel not being there uh was a huge reason reason I thought as well as Trent Williams uh was a huge reason that you know the 49ers offense kind of sputtered a bit in in those games despite having Christian McCaffrey there and available but Debo Samuel gives you something a little bit extra he's able to will this team even in like moments where it feels like, oh, the game's kind of close. Okay, let's let's just get a big Debo Samuel play, and suddenly it feels like a completely different game, and and that's just the type of energy that he brings onto the field too. It's like uh, it's like a mindset thing with Debo, and it's infectious. It it you know it it goes to all of the other players on offense, and I think. Everyone on offense is just more confident when they know that Debo's out there because they know anytime that man touches the football, it could go for a big play. It could go for a touchdown. That's that's the power of Debo. I, I love that man. Walk in your trap, take over your trap. That is literally Debo Samuel. That is literally that idea, right? And this team is literally running through him in every way. Christian McCaffrey is on pace for 2,000 scrimmage yards. I am not downplaying Christian McCaffrey. But this team's attitude, their swagger, their physicality, it runs through Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is literally the heartbeat of the San Francisco 49ers. And I don't want to hear it anymore because, well, Ayuk's a better route runner. Well, I don't know if you – no. 
his impact goes further than X's and O's. It's about embodying a swagger, embodying a personality. This team is Debo Samuel's team, and they go as he does. I think it's evident. I don't think that I even really need to make an argument for it. I think it's pretty clear because, as Steph said, the three games that they missed, obviously Trent Williams wasn't there, and he's pretty good too, even though PFF, you know, you know, clean sheet, but, you know, 60, 60 uh, grade, you know, PFF, like li- literally a clean sheet. He didn't give up one pressure in this game. Obviously, Trent Williams matters 100%. He's the best left tackle I think that's ever played the game. Mm-hmm. But my God, this offense, when Debo Samuel's out there, it's it's just it's this entire team is just completely different. They are just different. And that's that's all I have to say about that. That's at this point. Steph, the San Francisco 49ers are the number one seed. I think. You know, we're already 45 minutes into this. You know, we're getting, you know, close to what do the San Francisco 49ers have to do to keep the number one seed, right? Um, We had the injury to Javon Hargrave, Mooney Ward, right? And it sounds like they skirted big injuries, which is a good thing. And there's never a good time to have injuries. But if there ever was a time, thank God, because they play Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers to beat. The Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, I don't care who's out there. Right? Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going out on a limb, right? Um, But what do the San Francisco 49ers have to do to keep the number one seed? Do they have to win out? Or are we just all in on the Seattle Seahawks this week? It, it, it's so gross. It is so gross. Dallas one week, then Seattle the next week. I just, I don't feel right. This is not good. And I don't like the football gods for putting me in this position to having to root for these teams. Yeah, I mean... Look, it's pretty clear that the Eagles are going through something uh, right now. The oh. Seahawks are like their their next big test, I guess. Hey, the Eagles are going watch through. Out. The Eagles well, are going through. Watch out, Danny DeVito or not Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito <laughs> uh, against against that Eagles team could be interesting. Um, it, you know, the real, Eagles are going through Italian something. New Yorker right there. The the Eagles are going through fraud syndrome. Right? Like they're trying to like fight yeah, the fraud flu. They're going through the fraud, fraud flu. flu. They're trying to figure oh out God. they're trying to figure out yeah, they're 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 getting over the fraud flu and uh it's kind of just being exposed. But yeah, keep going. I'm sorry, Steph. So so yeah, I mean I think the Eagles find their way in because I, I just don't simply think the Seahawks are it, despite them, you know, putting up as many points as they did against the Cowboys. Um, sure, like it'd be great if that happened. I'm just not counting on it. So I'm I'm still thinking the 49ers do have to win out, you know, the rest win of the season. And because they control their destiny, right? Why why leave it up to anyone else? You know, mm-hmm. you you control your own narrative here, your your own um, you know, story. So the best way to do that is to just continue winning games. And, you know, obviously they want to, it's not like they're sitting back now and and thinking to themselves, well, we got it now. So, you know, (laughs) we can, we could chill. No, I mean, they, they definitely want to secure it. And in order to secure it, like you got to continue to win. So yeah, yeah, I I think that's what they're going to have to do. Obviously the next big game on the schedule for them is against the Ravens Christmas day. Day. Uh, So that one will be, really interesting but you know I, I still feel good uh about the 49ers they're gonna be at home uh you know I don't know I I just I think they're gonna be able to do it yeah and again you know winning out is obviously the goal right like you're not gonna try to lose games or anything like that and n- nobody knows what could happen right I, I think it was a few weeks ago where I said oh my god the Detroit Lions and their schedule well now look yeah. 
You lose to the yeah. Chicago Bears. You lose to the Green Bay Packers. All right. Well, you're on fraud. You're on fraud. Pack watch now. Now, now you're in that in that same bucket, right? Um, and kind of to Steph's point about the the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I hate to give praise to the Los Angeles Rams, but my goodness, man, they played the Ravens right to the gun, right? Like, and they kind of yeah. showed something a little bit, right? And I I think we can all agree the San Francisco 49ers are more talented than the Los Angeles Rams. So anything can happen, right? Um. It begs the question that the San Francisco 49ers, right, if the 49ers want to do what we think they should do, what we all want them to do, the 49ers would not lose a game for how many weeks? Because you're talking about going into that game in February and not the Pro Bowl, and you haven't lost a game. So it's right there in front of the 49ers right now. You know, when you talk about controlling your own destiny, it's there. Like, you have to take care of business. I think. Um, if I ever want to be let down, then I would root for the Dallas Cowboys actively because nobody lets you down like them. So, you know, they still have they still have some games to play as well. But if the San Francisco 49ers just want to keep what they have, all they have to do is control their destiny, right? Arizona, probably a win. Baltimore, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick the 49ers to beat Baltimore. Then what? Washington, Los Angeles, those are games you should win. Those are games you mm-hmm. should win, absolutely, 100%. So it's not out of the question. So it's just nice to know that there were a few weeks ago where we were sitting here like, can they, can they catch the Eagles? Can they do this? And look at how quickly things change, right? Narratives switch fast. It's a week-to-week league. And now the San Francisco 49ers are by far the best team in football. By far. Not even close. I don't want to hear about any other team right now. Not the Eagles. I don't care what the Cowboys do. The Cowboys could beat every JV, high school team, college team in the world until they beat the 49ers until they beat a team that actually is going to be going deep into the playoffs, which might not be the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. If they keep this up, I don't care. We've seen that move. It's like, again, I'm going to say it one more time. It's like watching Scarface. When you watch Scarface, do you expect Tony Montana to live at the end? No, it doesn't change. If you watch the movie 30 times in a row, I know what the Dallas Cowboys are. I've seen it too many times. I know that Stephen A. Smith says it accident waiting to happen, all that stuff. But I don't watch movies that I know the ending and expect a different ending. I know what happens at the end of Scarface. He doesn't walk out and he doesn't end up living at the end. I am not going to sit there and praise the Dallas Cowboys until they do something that I haven't seen since I was a child. They are not like that. No one's scared. The San Francisco 49ers right now control their own destiny. And as long as they keep winning games, they're going to be fine. And they will as long as they're healthy. Okay? Steph. Is there anything else? Can we say, like slander the can we slander no, the just to, Eagles just a little bit? Comparing the Cowboys to Scarface is hilarious. I saw look that's anyone insane. Who is, you know what's funny is some there's gonna be someone who listened and watched this watched this podcast and it's like Tony Montana, that's the end of Scarface. Spoiler alert. <laughs> like that. Um it's just it's it's like I'm not comparing it to Scarface, it's just I'm just trying to think of a movie where the, the guy doesn't live at the end. And he's not a good guy, by the by the way. Like Tony Montana's not a good guy. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've seen like spoiler alert, Scott Burrow says I, it's just again, I've seen this movie too many times. I know what happens at the end, right? Like I know that, you know, Al Pacino's character, Tony Montana, does not make it at the end. So why would I right now like watch that movie and say, Oh, m- he might make it this time? I know what you are. You're not that guy. You have not ever been that guy since I've been a child. So why would I now change that? (laughs) 
Yeah, you said that. Uh, I've been on, on a little bit of a heater these last few weeks, you man. It's been. so easy. Yeah. It's but it's so easy to talk about this team right now. It really is. It's super easy to talk about this team. They're just. Playing it is. Them. Yeah, it is, and it's crazy to me that since the bye week, like it's just this has been a completely different team, and we're now starting to see other teams kind of fall out of favor uh, a little bit. This happens every year, um, and. It's just interesting to see it because the 49ers also every year are like this ascending team at this time of the year, which I think is a great place to be, actually. I I think they prefer it that way. It's pretty obvious. Um, It's worked for them. So let's let's see how far they go. And during the three-game stretch, we we preached a little bit of patience, right? Because the San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan, this is their time, December into January. This is when they peak. And you're mm-hmm. starting to see that again. Like, you're starting to see that again. Now, the San Francisco 49ers on December 12th have clinched the playoff berth. They have the number one seed. And they are starting to get to that place that they have normally been. And they are being that team. Well, before, it was like, hey, if they sneak in, nobody wants to play the 49ers. The 49ers aren't sneaking past anyone. They are blowing past you. Now, they're still peaking at the same time under Kashan And it's a fun time. You know, it is a very fun time right now because right now in a week-to-week league, in a reactionary league, today, Tuesday, December 12th, before it's about to be noon on the East Coast, the San Francisco 49ers are head and shoulders above every single NFL team. And maybe that'll change. I don't think it will. But right now, there's nobody better than the San Francisco 49ers. And this is a beautiful time. That's what's so different from all the other times because, like you mentioned, like – 49ers have been here before and they've been this ascending team going into the playoffs and it's like oh nobody wants to see them but at the same time like this team has had holes and like in particular uh, on offense and maybe even last year you look at you know the secondary you know they give up a lot of explosive plays last year uh now like you there aren't any holes on this team. The only holes that people try to poke is Brock Purdy. And I That's think it. he is, he's shown over and over again that like, no matter how you try to defend him, like he has a way out of it. Kyle Shanahan is going to have a way out of it. And he trusts his quarterback, uh, you know, to, to adjust with him. So, there, there is no true hole on this team, and that's that's what's so crazy about it. I have never felt more confident in this team than I do right now. 100%. And I think that's the best place to be as a 49er fan, and I think that's a great place to end this episode. Guys, yeah. thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast Network YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to Steph Sanchez's channel uh, as well, too. She's got some great content as well, too. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcasts. Visit goldstandardniners.com where you can get a bunch of great articles by Rob Stats Guerrero, even though I've been called Stats Aponte, so we're coming we're coming for that spot, uh, apparently. Uh, but thank you guys again, as always, for Steph, for Jay. We're out of here. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.